everybody. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is January 27, 2021, episode 53. I am Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How's it going? Pretty good, thanks. How about you? Not too shabby. Um, I know you have something you want to talk about. I don't know if you wanted to talk about the movie we watched last weekend together. We watched Spider-Man. We can talk about it if you want. I mean, you've, it was your first time seeing yeah, it. Yeah, so. I, only, I only have a couple opinions sure, on it. Go like, ahead. Definitely the best part about that movie was the visuals. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, have, they had different visuals on top of each other, different types. It was a very cool effect. Um, and I felt that even though a lot of the music was licensed, I think, I would assume, it was yeah. well used. I did not love the voice acting of the original Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and I didn't like Nicolas Cage. I didn't think he fit. <laughs> I know what they were going for. But I feel like he was the wrong choice. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I thought it was decent. The story wasn't anything to write home about, but it was still good. Worth watching. Yeah. Glad you liked it. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about... Uh, you started playing a new game. Why don't you talk about that briefly? And then... Well, I mentioned last week that I started Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Mm. I was like, yeah, I played this when I was young when it came out. And I'm just going to get back in here and remember how much I loved it. And then it came to, I came to the conclusion that I'm old. I'm old and I don't have time to figure out all these puzzles. And I get mad if I have to wait for five minutes on figuring out something. And I don't know the exact direction. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put this down. And I'm going to let uh, let the old roulette pick a different game for me. So I'm playing uh, Nier Automata, which sounds like a very long word. Um, but I am very intrigued by the story. I'm playing on very easy pretty much it plays itself mode because <laughs> <laughs> even playing on easy some of the things were like if i play this on normal there is zero possibilities i would be able to beat this it is just there's so much going on so much i don't know how you beat it on normal if even if you did i'm pretty sure i played on normal. oh my gosh okay but the funny thing about this game is yeah, Tyler, yeah. did you beat this game yeah i did no you did yeah, not beat this game. Credit, credits rolled it counts as a beat <laughs> and i rolled credits this morning mm-hmm. And it says at the very end of the credits, now you have to play this game again to get the full story. But Todd doesn't believe this is the case. So I got the story. No, there's definitely way more to understand. Also, there is. Like most games have secret endings and stuff. But this is not secret. This is a whole playthrough. Yeah. You missed half the game. <laughs> I had my fill with the first playthrough. No. I was good. <laughs> I am so intrigued with the story. So I'll keep you updated in the coming weeks. But Tyler would like to talk about a game that he recently completed. You want to talk about an intriguing story. No, yeah, I don't no, want to talk about this story. It's all you. So proud to say that I finally got around to beating. I For like the last two weeks, I've been trying to play a little bit of it every day. Because uh, I said I was going to beat it by the end of January. And I have now finished The Last of Us Part yes, 2. Yes, I can't, I can't talk about you being a what? slacker anymore. Exactly. And actually, I think I just finished it on was it Sunday night or Monday night. It was a couple of days ago. But anyways, last night, I actually I think it might have been Sunday night. But last night, I... Started playing. I started the new game plus mode. But I still want to go back and get the platinum trophy. I want to get all the collectibles, right. all the upgrades and stuff. And I, now I could have just gone through chapter select because yep. chapter select in that game is really good. It, it tells you exactly like what stuff you're missing. And, oh, that's nice. And you can once you get it, you can just like exit out of the. You don't have to finish the level or anything. It's very simple to jump in and out if you just want to finish the collectibles that way. Okay. But I thought I want to go back and just do new game plus. I want to do because I, I, it had been so long since like because I think I started the story like last. I don't know, late summer. Like last July, August, whenever it July it came out, I believe. Yeah, 
So I, like, I started it, and then I put it on a huge hiatus when I was just so busy playing Apex and MLB and everything mm-hmm. else, and then like I said I was going to go back to it now. So I actually didn't really remember the beginning of the game all that well, like this specifically. And I thought maybe now, having beaten the game, if I watch it now with different context, knowing how it ends and knowing the character motivation and stuff. Cause oh, okay. Because the, the game does jump timelines quite a bit. So I'm very glad I did, because last time I played for a few more hours on New Game Plus, and, and uh, yeah, I was, I was really happy that I got to, it just, I don't know, it had a different impact on me obviously okay. in the beginning this time knowing what was going to happen as opposed to last time right so um one of the things i remember about the trophies of past naughty dog games is a lot of them have to do with difficulty is that still the case no in this one there i mean technically uh you can get the platinum trophy without having to play in any different difficulty you can play on the easiest oh, difficulty wonderful. if you want there is a, a like a separate trophy section if you want to play on grounded which is like Ooh, their super hard mode yeah. but that's not part of the platinum so oh, that's good. just sort of like a separate challenge if you really want to they even added like permadeath. There's a permadeath <gasps> mode in the game this year. Oh, it's like playing Bioshock. Yeah. So that's cool. But no, I, I mean, honestly, I will at one point in the near future dedicate a, maybe once I beat New Game Plus, I will dedicate a full podcast just Ooh. talking about that game. There's a lot I want to say about it. But let me just say I'll briefly, take a hiatus. It's cool. Yeah. I'll just say briefly about the game because my thoughts about the game are going to segue into our other topic this week okay. about movies. So it's going to be a good transition. But uh, Last of Us Part 2 is. The best video game I've ever played at depicting like revenge and what revenge, the motivation that revenge has on two different parties in this game. Because you have, so minor, I'm going to say minor spoiler because it does happen like within the first two hours of the game. And anybody who's seen the pr- promotional or anything, I mean, the game's been out if for like, review. yeah, this isn't a huge spoiler, but I'm going to mention it anyway. So for anyone that doesn't want to know. So, you know, this game kind of wanted you to play The Last of Us part one it's not called part one just last they wanted you to play it first obviously to get more context in the beginning of this game you don't necessarily have to you can probably figure out fairly quickly what's going on at the beginning of this game but obviously having played the first game the huge, will only happen. well for sure yeah because yeah. um in the first game obviously your two main characters were ellie and joel ellie being the 14 year old girl who was infected has immune joel being her i guess he was her chaperone, guardian. guardian. You know, she. They were strangers, but then he he grows to obviously get fond of her, and she thinks of her like a daughter because obviously his daughter died at the beginning of the first game, right. so he didn't have a daughter anymore. Anyways, they have a good relationship built through the first game. So in the second game, and the second game actually does a really good job within the, fir- the very first cutscene, the first three minutes of like opening flashback to the end of the first game, kind of shows it's basically Joel telling his brother Tommy what happened, how he saved Ellie from the hospital because they were going to do the experiment and. And kill her to get the the um vaccine. the vaccine out of her right, um and Joel saved her and he's telling his brother this and uh yeah it's uh it, it reminded me how much I loved the ending of the first game because it's it's just so ambiguous about how you don't know what she really thinks about the whole situation because obviously mm. Joel's lying to her told her that no you know they ran some tests on you they couldn't do anything I got you out of there. You know, she probably knew something had happened, but she was unconscious at the time. She was getting prepped for surgery, so she didn't really know what happened until she woke up the next day. So, yeah, she, she just kind of, like, chooses to trust Joel. But then, obviously, that falls apart pretty quickly in this game. And what I like about this game, narratively, is... Here's where the big spoilers come in. So, in the first two hours of this game, Joel does get killed off. And he gets killed by a character named Abby, who is, you find out later on in the game, is the daughter of the surgeon from the first game so when joel saves her at the end of the first game when he saves her from the operating room he kills the surgeon to rescue her mm-hmm. and the surgeon ends up being this girl's father like this this girl and ellie are about the same age i don't think it's ever fully established but they're around the same age so yeah so her dad gets killed by joel at the end of the first game 
And now this is four years later, Last of Us Part Two is takes part in. Um, so I think Ellie's like 18 or 19 at this point, um, along with Abby. And uh, so Abby basically, yeah, she, she ends up killing, she tracks down and kills Joel at the end of this game. And that's what triggers this whole revenge plot of Ellie now wanting to go track down Abby to kill her, right? And I, I really like how, so for the first, I don't know, 30% of this game, you're playing primarily as Ellie. And then once you get to a certain point in the narrative, it splits off and now you start playing as Abby, but it goes back to like when you, when you're, when you're Ellie and you're chasing Abby, it's, it'll say like you track her down to Seattle. It says Seattle day one and you play through narratively, you play through three days in Seattle till you track down Abby, right? Or t- more, more to say she tracks you down actually, but, okay. um, and then, and then also in the narrative flips and now you're going, now you're seeing from, from Abby's perspective, going back to day one of Seattle. Okay. So now you're interacting with Abby's. So, cause throughout this whole time as Ellie, you're killing all of Abby's friends to get to Abby. So now you're going back as Abby. You're going back to three days ago where she's with yeah. all her friends who are still alive, obviously. It's you're, a parallel story. Right. And you're getting to know her friends yeah. before Ellie kills them again. And then Abby tracks her down. So, yeah. Like I said, I have so many thoughts on this game that I do want to talk about on a full podcast one day. But I'll just say the ending was amazing, I thought. Like, I love just like in the first, at the end of the first game when Joel is trying to save Ellie from the hospital and you're, going, you're just going on a rampage. Like, at that point, you're... Hopefully you're pretty upgraded. You got all the guns in the game, so you can just kind of go not like for most because for most of the game you're trying to play it stealthy, just, you know, avoiding confrontation when possible. At the end of the game you're just going Rambo, you're just killing everybody to get the Ellie. At the end of this game, when you're Ellie trying to track down Abby, and again same situation, you're upgraded, you got all the guns, you're going full Rambo, you're storming this compound and trying to track down Abby, and then you have this brutal cinematic uh, cut fight or sorry cut cut fight. <laughs> You know why I said in my head, I was going to say cutscene, but because in my head I'm thinking they have like, they have, they have like a knife fight. And I'm just picturing Ellie just like slashing uh-huh. the head, slashing the crap out of Abby. But, um, but, but the movie, as much as it's about revenge, it is about revenge, it's also about forgiveness in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the ending in that situation, but let's just say that it ends, uh, super, uh, super depressing, but also sort of, a because the game is extremely depressing. And that's the thing that I think hurt it so much in 2020 was that people were not in the mood to play that kind of game. No. I mean, it's already hard enough to play a game, uh, you know, in, on a good year, but obviously with everything going on in 2020 in the world and people just not wanting to think, they want games as, a, as an escape. They don't want to be thinking about quick killing and torturing people and going on revenge missions. Whereas I love that stuff. Always in the mood for that. I don't care what, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm broken, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, I love the ending of the game. It made me want to just play it immediately again, which I said I started doing last night. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and power through it again, maybe get it done in the next few weeks. And then. Uh, so it took you seven months to do one playthrough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll take you a couple weeks to do another one. Well, now that exactly. Now that I know how the game goes, too, I can right. easily, most of the confrontations will be a lot easier, but. Anyway, so where that's going to transition to our main topic tonight is I want to talk about my favorite movies that deal with revenge. Okay. Or vengeance. See, I always thought to myself, I'd look up the definitions earlier because there is a slight variation. Revenge and vengeance are not the exact same thing, although people tend to use those terms synonymously. Okay. So I got the ter- definition here. For Thank so you. it says, so revenge is any form of personal retaliatory action against an individual institution or group for some perceived harm or injustice, while as vengeance is revenge taken for an insult, injury, or other wrong. So basically, revenge could be like, like someone used an example, like the movie, it's not on my list here, the movie Taken yep. could be like a revenge plot because obviously mm-hmm. Liam Neeson wants to go rescue his daughter. His daughter wasn't killed. She was kidnapped. Them. He wants to get revenge for his yeah. daughter. Whereas vengeance is usually about 
when somebody has taken or like when somebody dies, that's usually vengeance. Okay. If someone just takes something from you, that could be revenge. You know what I mean? As an example. Let's sure. Say. So. Oh, not in my head. Yeah. There's not a huge. There's not a huge variation between the two terms, but I thought it was interesting. So in this case. I guess I should say most of the movies on this list actually will be dealing with vengeance as opposed to revenge because I think pretty much all the movies on my list as I look at them now, actually, with the exception of one, I think all the movies, no, two, sorry. I have 10 movies on this list. And I think Ooh. only two of them technically would fit the definition of revenge here because technically the people did not die in these films. But every other film on this list has had a, a, a motive. The main character's motivation is getting revenge for somebody who's died or been killed. So... Um. Yeah, and I listed these in alphabetical order. I'm not ranking these in any way. My favorites to these favorites or anything like that. It's just strictly alphabetical. Um, and obviously, like I said, given the topic here, there's gonna be spoilers for all of these because I'm, I'm gonna obviously now mention obviously the spoilers. For most of these are gonna be early on in the movie because usually someone gets killed off early in the movie that sets up the whole plot. So we're not talking about something that usually happens near the end. So it's not gonna be that type of spoiler, but right. still, before warned. I, and a lot of these movies are have been out for. I think the newest movie on this list is probably like five years old so not nothing super recent on here a lot of these are older films so anyways i'll just get into it i'll waste too much time so first one on the list uh it's called edge of darkness uh came out i think about 10 years ago and uh that stars mel gibson uh it was actually his first sort of role back in hollywood after his whole little hiatus for you know passion of the christ well no after that yeah but he had the whole thing where he got arrested you know dui oh. and he made some comments about people that weren't you know so yeah, he, he had a, he was out of Hollywood for a few years, but he kind of came <laughs> back. And like I said, I, I was happy to see him back. I love Mel Gibson, and he's great in these type of roles. He just he's playing a cop in Boston. He actually has a pretty good Boston accent in this one too. Um, and also, I should mention too, uh, the director for this film I really like uh, Martin Campbell. He's the one who did. Um, he's done. Well, he did two of my favorite Bond films: Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Uh, he's also done like um, oh, what's that one he did? Well, he did The Mask of Zorro, which I really like. Um, he did uh, Vertical Limits. Um, that's what I'm thinking of. Anyways, he, he's a really good action director, is my point. And he does a really great job with the, the action. Not, there's not a lot of action in this movie. It is very character-driven, but the action scenes that are there are really good. But yeah, so basically, the, the, where this movie, the whole reason for this being a vengeance plot is that at the beginning of the movie, Mel, Mel Gibson's daughter gets killed in a uh, sort of like a drive-by shooting, I guess you could say, at his house. And uh, his daughter gets killed. So it leads him on this whole quest to find out. Because initially, he thought he was the target because he's a cop, but then he finds out later on that his daughter was actually the target, so he tries to investigate as to why her employer wanted to kill her. She knew something about see. I'm not going to get into the whole plot, but mm-hmm. it's a really good film. But yeah, I just love um, yeah, because I mean, Mel Gibson's obviously done a lot of action roles in the past, you know, Mad Max movies, Lethal Weapon movies, um, stuff like that, but this was, yeah, different role for him to take on, definitely, like I said, definitely more character-driven, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really good just, yeah, uh, they don't do a lot to set up the relationship between him and his daughter being in the film like some other movies on my list might, right. but the movie is just more, it's, the movie is very good, very well paced, just good at moving along and uh, kind of getting to the point, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay. I think it's worthy of being on my list. <laughs> Next on the list will be, I was going to say, some of these on this list you've definitely seen, or you've probably heard of most of these at least, but maybe you hadn't heard of that one, but uh, the next one though, for sure. Uh 20, actually 21 years old now, this movie is, uh, Gladiator. Heard of it. You ever seen Gladiator? No. Wow. So, um, again, I'm sure most people have seen or at least heard of this movie before, but for those that don't know, it's, you know, set in ancient, I was going to say Roman? I Roman times. Rome. Roman. I was going to say Greek, but I think it's Roman. Roman times. Uh, Russell Crowe uh, is sort of like framed for the murder of the, um, 
of the uh, what they call what do they call the uh, not the you know like the uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word now the important people back then he was like not the who was the emperor but anyways he he's he's framed of killing he's framed of uh, of killing someone and so as re- as revenge you know the Roman army they 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 basically they go to his house and they kill his family his wife and his son. And that, and then, and they think they killed him because they take him out to the woods to kill him. And of course, he escapes, kills all the guards, and now he's, and then he works his way. Ba- the way he works his way back into the plot, obviously, for those that haven't seen the movie, is he gets, uh, sort of like you know, gets gets ran in with some slaves, and then they're used as fodder for gladiator fights. Mm. And then he ends up becoming, he goes back, goes back to Rome, and he fights in the Colosseum as a gladiator. And then eventually, he has the huge, awesome like reveal with the evil comet like the walking phoenix character where oh, he takes right. his helmet off and I've he's just like yeah scene. and he's like oh he's back to keep for revenge for his family and yeah Lightyear's is a great film and for many many reasons but yeah uh, again it's strictly my thought my list is again the whole movie is propelled by the vengeance plot of him wanting to you know get revenge for his wife and son being killed right it's probably the most probably the i was gonna say probably the most high budget movie on this list for sure like in terms of, like a lot of the movies on this list actually that i have are, are i wouldn't say small budget but like yeah, like movies that focus more on characterization yeah. than necessarily like huge action set pieces. So, yeah. But anyways, uh, the next one though, the most recent one on the list, uh, and I'm sure most people have seen or again heard about this movie by now. So we're gonna go with John Wick. Oh. Uh, primarily the first one because obviously there's three of those movies. Now two and three are not necessarily revenge driven plots. <laughs> continuing. Right, but obviously the first one for those that don't know, and unfortunately spoiler for those of you who are animal lovers, uh, the movie starts within the first 20 minutes. John Wick's dog, his little puppy, gets killed. They don't show it. Don't worry. Like, it's not that kind of graphic. They just, you, you unfortunately, do see the dead body, whether it's a doll or a puppet or whatever. But you see the dead dog afterwards. He buries the dog, and the whole rest of the movie is revenge plot. He's going to mm-hmm. kill everybody <laughs> who's involved in. He, he takes down, I don't know, probably 100 people in this movie just to avenge his dog. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole plot, basically. It's Keanu Reeves being awesome. Uh, <laughs> it it, it, it revitalized. I'm not going to say revitalized. Obviously, the Matrix, I would say, revitalized his career for the most part. But in terms of anything he's done within the last decade, because that's how old, obviously, the other Matrix ones are over a decade now. Um, I would say John Wick is probably what he's most well-known for in the last five or six years, obviously. Yes, for <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Uh, next one on the list. Uh, and actually, you know, to be honest, I, when I thought about this more, I thought I could probably put almost every Quentin Tarantino movie on this list because most of his movies do deal with some type of revenge or vengeance plot. But I chose the most obvious one, which would be Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's two parts to Kill Bill, just so you know. Um, you have to kind of watch them both to get the full story. But um, yeah, primarily the... In the first one, it's revealed very early on that uh, she was part of a gang of assassins, and uh, she she was in love. Well, yeah, she was in love with the one main character, Bill, who's played by David Carradine. Rest in peace. He died some years ago. But um, so they they kill her because she, I think she gets pregnant, and there's some argument about what's going to happen with the child. So they basically killed. They thought they killed her, but of course they didn't because it's a Tarantino film, and no one ever really truly stays dead. <laughs> Or is left for dead, you know what I mean? So, so the whole rest of those two plots. Well, the first movie basically is about her getting revenge on everybody who tried to kill her, and then the second movie is more about her relationship with Bill. The second one's a lot more character driven than the first one. The first one has a lot of good action. The second one has a little bit of action. The second one for me, what I think is interesting is that this movie, these between these two movies, it probably takes a good four or four and a half hours to build up this final confrontation between her and Bill. And you're expecting this huge, awesome fight, and it lasts like ten seconds because oh. she just decimates Bill. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's an old man, but yeah, she, it makes sense. But she uses this trick on him. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You really should see the movie. But she uses this like you know ancient kung fu trick on him, and she. But the ending is really the way he dies, and they had the way their little final send off together is really awesome. Uh, I think it's a great ending to the film. But yeah, that's 
Like I said, out of all Tarantino ones, I would put that one on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, uh, we got one of my personal favorites. You've heard me talk about this movie before, obviously. Uh, I'll give you the actor. You tell me the name of the movie if you can remember it. Okay. All right. Denzel Washington. Equalizer? No, it's in alphabetical order. Right. It's not uh, a bad guess. Man well, on Fire. Man on Fire. There you go. So this one, I guess, technically would fall under the revenge plot because the main plot... Well, this one actually takes a while. Whereas I said, most movies, the revenge part usually takes place pretty early on, like in the first 20, 30 minutes. For this one, I'd say it's probably about halfway through. Right. Because the first half of the movie does a really good job building up his relationship with... His name in the movie is John Creasy, his character's name. Everybody calls him Creasy. But he develops a relationship with this young girl that he's uh, he's a bodyguard for in Mexico. Her name's Pita, played by Dakota Fanning. And... Um, so yeah, he's supposed to protect her. You know, she's she's a daughter of a wealthy family and a lot, a lot of um, kidnappings and stuff in Mexico going on at this time. So anyways, spoiler alert, she does get kidnapped halfway mm-hmm. through the movie. And uh, so the second half is all about Denzel trying. And they make it they make you feel like, not feel like, they, they make it seem like she was killed by the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. But you, you re- at the end of the movie, it's revealed she wasn't because they were just using that as leverage. But he thinks she's dead. So the whole second half is him going on a, a vengeance plot to kill everybody who was involved in this kidnapping. And at the end of the movie, he realizes she's still alive and sort of rescues her. I'm not going to spoil the ending because it's very, it is very sad, but um, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Um, one of my favorites. Like it's, it's about 16 or 17 years old, I think now, but it's, I think it still holds up tremendously. It's a well-made movie. Pacing's awesome. You even got Christopher Walken in it playing Denzel's buddy, like who's just awesome at like enabling him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like rescues him when he gets shot and right. almost killed by kidnappers, takes him somewhere to load up on all the guns. Because one, the, one of these things that most of these movies have is always that one scene where either the main character has an arsenal of guns or he knows somebody who has an arsenal of guns and then they go and they have the whole suiting up montage where they just get a whole bunch of ammo and yeah. guns. They're just like, yep, here we go. Revenge time. <laughs> like a switch just turns on. But yeah, I love that movie. Uh, next one. Um, Christopher Nolan's Prestige. That's a good one, but no, I didn't put Prestige on the list. Really? That's what I thought you'd definitely have yeah. on here. Jeez. Well, that would definitely go under the revenge plot. Doesn't matter. Both well, actually, no, no, you're right. It could be technically vengeance because, okay, we're not going to get into Prestige. One of these days, we're going to talk about the Prestige as a full podcast. I love that movie so much. It but here. You're wrong. Well, but in terms of in terms of a direct plot that is because that movie's got a lot going on in that plot, the prestige. It's this, all about vengeance, though. Yeah, but so is this one. This one's a bit more. I shouldn't say this one's simple. It's really not a simple screenplay, but it's simpler. The main plot is simple to understand. Is Memento. I can't understand that movie. What are you talking no, about? I'm talking about? I said the main plot because the main the whole the whole uh, reason why this movie happens is because the main character Leonard is trying to get trying to remember who killed his wife. I know. Yeah, but I don't understand any thing past that i need to watch it again no i'd rather watch the prestige again. and this one's really interesting too because you have most of these movies again you have someone trying to track down someone for killing their spouse dog whoever else you know daughter related to them but in this case main character's wife gets killed in like a home invasion mm-hmm. and uh but problem is the main character can't remember because he has like short-term memory loss he has amnesia because he got hit in the head during the uh, home invasion now he has memory issues obviously right so the whole rest the whole movie is about you Along with him, trying to figure out, connect the pieces as to who might have killed her, what really happened that night. A lot of twists and turns in this movie. I'm really not going to spoil the ending. I think it's an amazing movie. I don't want to say anything else besides that. Go see it if you haven't already seen it. Uh, my next one on the list, you would think, um, given the, the genre, that you, I'd have a lot more like Western films on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do deal with that kind of stuff, but I couldn't really think of too many off the top of my head that I wanted to include. So the one that seemed most obvious to me, and the oldest movie on this list by, uh, by a long shot, because I think this was back in like 1967 or so. Was uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. Has one of the best. Um, it definitely fits this list because you have the main character, 
played by Charles Bronson. This is before he started doing all those like Death Wish films in the 70s too, which he's well known for. But okay. Charles Bronson back in the 60s was also doing Westerns and stuff. So Once Upon a Time in the West, um, I don't think anything he really, I had to look up on Wikipedia. I couldn't remember the character, what his name was, or if he even had a name in the film. Hmm. I guess he just goes by like Har- protagonist. They just people just refer to him as Harmonica because he always carries a little harmonica around with him and he plays it before he kills people. That's sort of like his trademark thing. But um, this movie too, not unlike most westerns at the time, especially like the Sergio Leone westerns, like all the Clint Eastwood, you know, um, once my time, not once my West. What are they got those good, the bad, and the ugly is what I was trying to think of that, that type of film. But um, there's not a lot of dialogue in these films. It's more, really more about style, the music, and the slow build-up to all the Western shootouts and stuff is really what plays a huge part in this film. But the coolest thing about this is you have yeah, Charles Bronson. His main motivation is trying to track down uh, a character named Frank, played by Henry Fonda. and Because uh, Frank had sort of indirectly killed Harmonica's brother earlier, like much like earlier on in the film, like you're talking like 20, 30 years ago when they were much younger. And the end of this film just has like one of the best Western confrontation shootouts. <laughs> and I say that because there's like five minutes of buildup for this Western shoot. And, and the thing lasts like three seconds. Because mm-hmm. Harmonica just thinks that he's going to shoot him once. But the buildup to it and just like the music and the flashback with the harmonica and everything, it's so good. And I could just watch that thing on YouTube like every day. <laughs> it's so amazing. But honestly, that's like a two and a half or maybe even longer than that movie, which is pretty big back then. But, uh, it's definitely worth if you're a Western fan, definitely watch. Even if you're not a Western fan, I think it's still worth seeing at least once, just because the style for something that came out like over, over, uh, was it fifty? Yeah, over fifty years ago was amazing to me. Like it still holds up really well, and it looks great on like Blu-ray and stuff. So two, sorry, three more on the list here. Okay, uh, next one. Um, you know, you've seen the movie uh, Seven? Uh, uh, about ninety-five. For those who don't know, what I'm talking about it's Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey. Oh, now it sounds like a no. <laughs> Directed by David Fincher. It sort of like spawned this whole trend of serial, serial killer movies back in the mid to late 90s. That's when a lot of those movies started coming out. Um, not, not that there weren't movies like that before, but this one really is the whole, the way the style of this movie and how dark and, and grim and depressing this movie looks is just, it just set, it set up a whole new style for some directors. But He did Mindhunter 2, right? He did. Okay, yeah. so this makes sense now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great, great film. Um, and I, I know everybody's going to, as soon as I mentioned Kevin Spacey, everybody's going to roll their eyes. I, again, I don't care about any of that stuff. I know off the, behind the scenes, he, he seems like a bad guy or whatever. I only look at people when they're acting. Just like, I don't like certain athletes when they do stuff off the field or off the court or whatever you want to call it. Like sometimes athletes can be bad people too, just like actors. But I can appreciate what an actor does on the field, just like I can appreciate what an actor does on on camera, right? So anyways... But I, I I say that because even though Kevin Spacey does have a huge plot in this film, you really don't see him until the last like twenty minutes or so of the movie. Because um, well, spoiler alert, he is the killer, but you don't really know that till much later on in the film. The, the movie is really is about Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's relationship, and uh, but yeah, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to dare spoil the ending of this film because if you haven't seen it yet, you have to see it for yourself without spoilers. It's an amazing ending of this film. And I can't say other than that why it's on this list, but let's just say it has to do very, very heavily with vengeance, okay. <laughs> the ending of this film. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, and like I said, even for a movie that's, like I said, uh, you know, 25 years old now or whatever, it, it still looks great to this day. The pacing's awesome. It's it's a great movie to, to watch. It's a hard movie to watch, obviously, for some people, depending on what you're into. But, uh, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. All right. Uh, next on the list, we got another uh, mid-90s movie here. Uh, I don't know the exact year. I want to say 94, maybe, but uh, it's called The Crow. You heard The Crow? That was a. You mean, um, no. I think it was based on a comic, if I remember correctly, back then. But anyway, so you had uh, 
yeah, it was basically about uh, a man who wants to, a man who is apparently killed and left for dead by a gang. They killed his fiance too, and so but then, but then he sort of gets like resurrected or reborn and comes back to basically exact vengeance on this whole gang for killing his girlfriend. Um, is he a crow? No, he gets he doesn't have crow powers or anything. He gets like he gets sort of like resurrected by a crow. It's oh, wow, it's that's very so it's very comic book noir style <laughs> stuff, but it's a great film. Um I remember the music is amazing in it. Um and actually that's a pretty tragic backstory because the main actor in the film, Brandon Lee, he died actually on set um with a it was like a it was a stun gone wrong. They were, they were supposed to put a blank in one of the guns when they shot him, and it was actually a real bullet. No. <laughs> so, unfortunately, he got killed on scene. Oh. Uh, and uh, so I think at that point, they'd already filmed most of the movie. I think they had to use a couple of stand-ins for some scenes for him, but for the most part, they were pretty much done filming. So, I mean, he, what you see in the movie is probably like 90% him, but still, it was depressing, too, because he's actually, he was the son of Bruce Lee. No. Uh, now, Bruce Lee had obviously died before this. Yeah. It became This movie came out. But, yeah, his, his, this Brandon Lee was seen as, like, an ex-up-and-coming. He wasn't necessarily, like, a huge martial artist like his dad was. He was more of a just like an actor in general. But very well. He seemed like he had a very good career ahead of him as an actor. And it's very, I think he was only in his late 20s or something when he got killed in this movie. So, but, um, but yeah, his performance in the movie is great. Um, it's kind of thing, like, you, you, people always talk about remaking this movie. And someone's like, no, don't ever remake yeah. this because it's already good as it is. Like, just leave it as is. You can still rewatch it. It still holds up, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's a great film. For those that haven't seen it, go check it out. Look it up some clips on YouTube if you're not sure, but I think it's a good film. Uh, and the last one on the list um, came out in 2004, and it is The Punisher. Have you seen The Punisher one with uh, one where Travolta plays the villain, or no? No. Okay. Well, that's a really good one, too. Uh, again, this one, like most of the movies, early on, I guess you can see this one's actually kind of similar to the. Well, the only comparison, I guess, the only way it's similar to the Gladiator plot is that in this one, the main character, the Punisher's uh, wife and son get killed being in this movie by, like, mobsters that the Punisher's character, Frank Castle, was, you know, involved in. He's sort of directly involved in, in one of their, uh, one of Travolta's sons being killed. So he sends his whole mob family to basically kill, kill um, the Punisher's family, Frank Castle's family. And from that point on, again, you know, then he becomes, he actually becomes the Punisher and he goes back because, he, again, he's shot and left for dead. Like most of these movies, he's still alive. He comes back months later, exacts his revenge on Travolta and his family and kills everybody, right? Uh, movie's got a lot of good action in it. Um, some parts of the plot are really silly and don't really hold up that well nowadays, I'll say. Uh, definitely very, definitely feels like an early 2000s comic book type of a movie, but um, there's also a lot of fun action scenes in there too. And the ending is actually really good. And Travolta's really good at playing the villain in a lot of movies uh, he really he really has a, good, uh, a fun time handling it up in this one um but yeah i think it's a good one it's it's like i said if i were going to rank the movies on this list which i'm not doing right now but punisher would definitely not be near the top it's not <laughs> a, it's not a good film it's just a fun film to watch once in a while it's a good guilty pleasure movie for me if i want to see some fun action on the on the screen so yeah that's my my list i think uh, my favorite revenge yeah is when katie gave regina fat bars that's my favorite revenge made her fat she had to wear sweatpants. It was funny. So you're going to Mean Girls. Okay. Yeah. All right, I got you. All right. For those that don't know what the heck you were talking about, I, I got you. All right. People who know Mean Girls will understand. I'm not everybody's seen Mean Girls. Well, they should. It's great. It's not, it's not a bad film. I'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you want to wrap up with? Final thoughts? Um, If you have any revenge films you would like to <laughs> recommend um, or to disagree with Tyler mm-hmm. or agree with Tyler or just talk more about Mean Girls, uh, <laughs> you could email us at when opposites react at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, that's all. 
I was going to say, I thought I had a topic in mind for next week, but I got a couple ideas and juggling around, so I'm not going to mention yet. I don't want to mm. set the expectations, but next week, I think next week will be another video game film hybrid. I'm trying to figure Ooh. out how to weave the two together. Final Fantasy Spirits Within. No. <laughs> no, it won't be that. Um, yeah, I'll think of something for next week. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to go, soon as soon as we get off here, I'm going to go play some baseball, I think, or some shock. Apex. Yeah. Also shock. Or Last of Us Part 2. Super shock. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. Hope you stay safe out there, and we'll be back same time next week. Bye. Bye.